One of the things I learned as I was discovering the importance of computers was Control-Alt-Delete. What a fantastic thing. Oh, who knew? You know, you just Control-Alt-Delete and start all over again. It was great. And it was, it was like such a time saver, you know, to frustration. And, and then back in the 80s, they had these, this film series, uh, Back to the Future. You know, if you, you see that one? And, and, you know, you go back in time and you try all kinds of different things. And the Twin Pine, Twin Pine Mall becomes the Lone Pine Mall and, and all this fun stuff that happens with that. And, and then I discovered another term. Uh, I don't golf. Well, I, I do golf once every five years or so with my dad. And when I do that, I discovered a term that comes in handy, and that is mulligan. What? Another wonderful term just created for me. I'll just take a mulligan on that, Dad. <laughs> what a way to, to, to start all over again. New Year's are kind of like that. It's a time to reflect a little bit on the old and, and what's just taken place and and then anticipate what might happen uh, and, and where things might be going. You know the, the definition of insanity, right? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again without changing the result. Well, that's not what we want to happen. When we embrace a new year, we, we don't really want to always repeat what has taken place in the year before. We do want some change. We do want some, some correctiveness that takes place. And so today... We're going to look a little bit at that as we contemplate three different psalms through the day. Now, psalms are written as a personal testimony of the way God is working through situations and in the heart of the psalmist and, and bringing them to the heart of God. Psalms are a fantastic collection of testimonies that reflect the heartbeat of God engaging our heartbeat in the situation where we find ourselves and inviting us to places and avenues of trust. So if you're taking notes, and if you're not, I'm going to tell five different points we're going to look at today. We're going to start with the refrain. Then we're going to examine our situation in light of the character of our Creator. We're going to remember the end of the story that God rules and we are with Him. We're going to remember that God is in control, and then we're going to take it full circle and begin at the beginning. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 46. And if you're looking for one, there's often Bibles in, in front of you in the chairs and the little pockets there. Uh, just help yourself to a Bible. Psalm 46. And in Psalm 46, it begins with a phrase that is often overlooked in reading. But I want us to spend some time in that this morning. For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Here the writer of the psalm, the sons of Korah, are giving to the director of music, the one who leads public worship in the temple, a song. And this song is to be used in the public gathering of the people to reflect their dependence and trust in Jesus Christ in the situation, or in the, in the dependence of God in the, in the situations that they find themselves. It's a reflection of the group. 
but it's also an individual testimony. It can be individually applied and group embraced. And so what does this mean? When we go through the psalm, what the psalmist is inviting us to consider is that where this overlaps with your experience, acknowledge that, and then come together with other people so that you can share what God is doing so that together, collectively, you can draw your hearts closer to God. It's a foreshadow of what is said in the New Testament when we're told to one another, one another. Encourage one another, pray for one another, admonish or, or, or step with someone. And so this is an encouragement through the psalm as it's written for the public gathering that individually we reflect so that collectively we can grow in our faith and understanding of who God is. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. No sh nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. When we go through the Psalms, we come across this word selah, which is an invitation to pause and reflect. It's an invitation to embrace the, the statement that comes before that as a life-changing, a life-altering reality. It's an invitation for us to become embraced by the presence of God. And so we start with the refrain. The refrain is seen in verse 7 and 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Three truths emerge from this statement. The Lord Almighty. This title is referring to the one who is supreme, the one who is over all, the one who is, char is in charge, the Creator God. God is with us. An invitation for relationship. The God who is over all, the one who is in charge, the one who has all power, wants a relationship with his creation. The one who, with a word, cast before everything all that was made, wants to know us, wants to be embraced by us, and wants to embrace us. The God of Jacob, a historical reality. Just as Jacob was real and the God of Jacob and Jacob's testimony is real, so too is God our fortress. 
our reality is founded in the workings of God in the past. An invitation for a personal relationship with a personal loving creator. And so here's, the, here's where we begin. Do you have a personal relationship with God? Have you been embraced and do you embrace the love that God has for you? For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Do you embrace and have been embraced by this great God? As the year begins, maybe this is your invitation to experiment with something new. Confessing your sins and coming to God and saying, yes, God, I realize I can't make through the year on my own strength. I need you. Come. Come into my heart. We start with a refrain. Then we examine our situation in light of the character of our creator. And we see that in the first three verses. What are the characteristics of God? God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is an ever-present help. All in times of trouble. And the trouble we see is that reflected in our situation. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountain fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The earth give way. Sometimes it seems in lives of ours and in others that the foundational relationships that we hold on to and we cherish so much seem to fall and crumble around us. Marriages and families seem to dissolve. Friction comes where, where there should be a place of sanctuary. Mountains fall into the sea. Those things that we hold on to to give us significance, our business associations, our plans, the economics, all of these things begin to crumble. We know and we've experienced those who have lost their jobs, those who have been downsized, those who have been realigned. Fear enters the equation. Waters roar and foam. We look at our health, we look at our situations that, and our day-to-day -day existence, and, and sometimes we hear from the doctor those dreaded words, you have something. And we fear for cancer. An accident comes, a situation comes, and our health and our strength ebb away. Mountains quake with their surging. Our reputation, our self-image, who we think we are, dissolves into retirement, into less influence, into spheres of, of, of impact shrinking. Why is it that here in Canada it seems that most people live with the habit of one paycheck from bankruptcy? Why is it that there is such a challenge to see what is the important, what is the lasting, what is the, what is the eternal? And these things become clouded in the sirens of influence. Remember the story of Hercules who tied himself to the mask in order that he might hear the sweet music and not be cast aside, not be tempted away. And yet we, in our own boats of our life, not only have we not uh, tied ourselves to the mask, but those who are roar, rowing the boat are no longer having their ears plugged and we merrily go along our way into the shoals looking for influence and pleasure in the immediacy rather than the important and the lasting. 
and we realize stuff happens. Every so often, I find myself driving along, listening to the radio, and, uh, and one of the stations that I, that I frequent is uh, JRFM. I know that none of you do because it's a country and western station, and I know that... Anyway, I listen to it from time to time, and there's a song that, that, that Sugarland sings called It Happens. I think it's a theological song because it's true. It happens. Life is merrily going along, and before you know it, the wheels fall off your wagon. And what are you going to do? Suddenly things crop up which, which were unexpected, and now what? Well, I want us to reflect for a moment on the Lord's psalm. The psalm that Jesus Christ reflected on and meditated on as he hung on the cross. Psalm 22. Here was a person that, had in, that was engaged with the most strenuous things happening. And in the midst of that, Christ leads us to reflect like he does on again a public psalm. A song of David that is written for a public presentation. That we gather together in the midst of one anothering one another to come and we collect our memories of how God is working in our lives through the things that happen to us. And we see, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I'm not silent. Have you ever reflected on the harshness of God's absence? A situation has overwhelmed you, a circumstance has crowded into your life, and it seems God has abandoned you. God has left. The psalmist had that experience. And in that stark loneliness, he reflects, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel, and you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. The psalmist reflects on the presence of God in the past. He remembers the stories of Israel, and he says, you were active at one point. You were there. You were real. You were present. These people mattered. And from time to time, we need to surround ourselves with the testimonies of others who have experienced God's embrace in the dark night of their soul. We need to read Christian biographies of those who have ministered in His name and have gone through deep waters. We need to listen to one another and the stories that we share of how God sustained us and helped us in times of turmoil. And we need to reflect that just as God has been active in the past... He knows our situation. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusted in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. We give to the Lord our situation, not because he's not familiar with it, but because we need to surrender it. And we say, Lord, here is where I'm at. 
You have been working in the past. I acknowledge that. I cry out to you. It doesn't seem to work. And yet here is where I'm at. These are the things that are clouding my mind. These are the things that are confusing my path. These are the things that are controlling my emotions. This is where I'm at. Help me. Because when we acknowledge when we're at, where we're at, what we're really saying is that I am no longer in control. We can reflect also by saying, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. In the darkest night of our soul, at times we need to go back to that day when we ask Jesus into our Lord, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, into our life, and we need to come to that place and say, Yes, I remember doing that. I remember giving my trust to Him. I remember giving my life to Him. I remember giving it all to Him. And now, Lord Jesus, I need you. And when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to the end of our resources, when we come to the end of, of where we think we are breaking, can we say, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble? Start with the refrain. Examine our situation in light of the character of God. And then remember the end of the story. Psalm 46, verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. God rules and we are with him. I, I don't know if you do, do this. I do this uh, lots. But I'm reading a book. You know, and I'm, I'm starting at the beginning because that's where you start in books. You start at the beginning. And I'm reading all about, you know, Bob and Joe and Sue and Sally and how their lives are intertwined and, and all this stuff. And suddenly something happens to one of them and I go, <gasps> what's going to happen? So I turn to the end of the book and I look at the last chapter. <laughs> ah, you do it too. I know it. Yeah, you do. Right? Because you want to know, is the hero going to stay with me? Because I don't want to invest emotional energy into a hero who doesn't. And you want to find out, right? Oh, yeah, good. I know it's going to end. So you go back to the beginning again and you keep reading. And you go, oh, I know he's going to end it. He's going to make it to the end, you know? Remember the end of the story. Jesus tells us the end. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Where I am, you will be also. We know the end of the story. God's prepared a place for us. And here in Psalm 46, we see the same thing. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God has a city waiting for us where the Most High dwells. The Creator God wanting to gather His creation to be with Him in a place of refuge, in a place of fortress, in a place of strength where there is no trouble. We know the end of the story. 
It's just sometimes when we're reading, there's an unexpected twist that happens. And we go through and suddenly there's, a, there's a, an urgency. Suddenly there's a crisis. Suddenly there's an unexpected emergency. And we go, <gasps> but we know the hero is going to make it to the end. Remember the end of the story. God rules and we are with him. Sometimes it's the process that's the challenge. But there is no temptation but such as is common to man and God has created a way of escape. God not only is standing in our corner encouraging us and helping us and 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 buttressing us, you know, being our strength and our refuge and our fortress. But he knows the end of the story. He knows how the play will unfold. He knows how the future will develop. It's not as if he's standing with us and suddenly something confronts our life and he scratches his head and goes, ooh, I never thought of that. He knows what's going to come. And so because God knows the end, in fact, God's created the end already, we can rest with him. He's got it under control. Verse 8 and 9 tells us that. God is still in control. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. There is nothing that escapes the notice of God. God understands the macro scene. He knows what's going to happen from nation to nation, the uprisings, the turmoils, the conflicts that will develop, but he also knows the micro situation. And the psalmist is inviting us to consider as a group that collectively the macro things are going to be controlled by God because we understand the micro things, the things that are individual to our lives are controlled by God. God is faithful here. He is faithful here. And then we come full circle to begin at the beginning. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When Psalm 22 events happen, and it will, let me invite you to an experiment. Remember when we were kids and we were in school and, and whenever there was a, a, an earthquake or some great big catastrophe, we were all, always taught to stop, drop, and cover. Well, when things are about to happen in your life, stop. Stop rushing about. Stop trying to, to self-manage. Stop trying to fix it on your own. Stop trying to delude yourself into, into some place of, of euphoric uh, aptitude, which isn't really relating to the reality that you're, that you're facing, that you're embracing. Drop. Drop your schedule. Drop your busyness. Drop your hurriedness. Drop your ignorance. Drop the things that are keeping you from focusing on what is happening in your life. 
And sometimes that might involve taking a phone call from somebody who invites you someplace and saying, sorry, I can't make it. I've got to stop these appointments. I've got to stop doing what I'm doing right now in order that I can cover with prayer. In order that I can just see law. And embrace the presence of God. I read a very uh, stark article recently. Reflecting on 50 plus uh, 50 year old males in Canada. Oh. And in this article it was saying they were noting that there is a silent epidemic that is sweeping through Canada that is impacting the 50-year-old-plus males. And that is a significant rise in suicide. So take a gander and see if you spot any 50-plus males in the crowd. And what the article was speaking of is that it seems for many men it's a challenge to be embraced and embrace friends so as to share the things that are happening in a person's life. And in their state of loneliness, they find little that can help them escape. Could this be a symptom of a larger issue that we face in our society. That we try so diligently to self-manage our situations that we fail to be still. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119.105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Come to the word of God and find strength and comfort and hope. And know, not a knowledge-based presentation, but truth revealed. The Pharisees knew the scripture. They knew it backwards and forwards and in Hebrew. But we want the Spirit of God to reveal to us God's heartbeat. That what we read is tested in Scripture, not emotionally based. And so when we gather together in growth groups, when we gather with Alpha, when we gather together to talk about what God is saying in our lives, we use Scripture to enlighten to us Scripture so that God's Word reveals to us His heart. We confirm it in testimony, the witness of others and in the sermons that we hear. And we recognize it in our life change, in the new attitudes that are forming within us, in the responses we now harbor to the situations that come to overwhelm us. I may not be the person I could be. I may not be the person I once was, but thank God I am a changed person. God continues to work in and through us. Be still and know. As the new year approaches, January 1 being today and all, 
let me invite you into an experiment. See, when we make uh, New Year's resolutions, uh, if you break them, you're gone, right? I mean, you have one chance. So I'm still working on the same, same 10 pounds that I have been for the last five years. So, you know, I understand that. So but, so, but an experiment is different, you see. An experiment, you try, and then if something goes wrong, well, you just try it again. So let me invite you to, to an experiment or two in the coming year. Experiment number one. Create a refrain. The psalmist had a refrain. The Lord God is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In those good days, in the days when, when life is good and God is near and your spouse is smiling and all these things are coming together, in those good days, create a refrain. A refrain that helps you capture the character of God in light of your, of your salvation, in light of who you are as a child of God. Create a refrain because rain is coming. And in those dark days and in those bleary days, you have a refrain that can anchor your perspective of who God is. Situations come to change our perspective, but the word of God remains true when we come to it and we realize that, that God is real. Second, recognize when it happens. Don't ignore it. When something comes into your life that, that disrupts the status quo, don't simply pull yourself up by your bootstraps and forge ahead. When something comes that is, that is threatening your, you know, your, your equilibrium, who you are in Christ as a child of God, dearly loved, dearly cared for, dearly embraced by the Creator God Himself, stop. Recognize that something is happening that wants to take your eyes away from the goal. Take your eyes away from who Christ is. Take your eyes away from the presence of Jesus. And cry out to God and saying, wait a minute. Something is happening here. And then remember, God is in control. He has the future place for us. He has each day in his hand. And finally, let me invite you to an experiment where you start the day with God. Just read it. See what happens. Just pick the thing up. Read. You might want to start in the Psalms. You might want to start in Mark or Matthew. I wouldn't suggest Leviticus right off the top. It takes a little slugging to get through Leviticus and Numbers. Good stuff. But it takes some work. But read it. And see what the Spirit of God has to say. Because maybe in the journey that you will face this year, you will be embraced by the words of the psalmist in 118. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. 
Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. In my anguish I cried to the Lord and he answered me by setting me free. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look and triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burned thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. And he has made his light shine upon us with bows in hand. Join the, in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever.